All right. Well, this morning, I tell you, I usually always, I know what I'm preaching, what I'm going to say and talk about. And I was really going back and forth about this one. And honestly, there was something else I really wanted to preach about. But this has just been unable to escape me. I just had, didn't feel released to do that. And, and that is the community of Christ. And one of the things that I think we're still battling a little bit post-COVID, and I'm tired of talking about it, honestly, but the truth is, is it really gave permission for people to isolate. And I really feel the call of the Lord to reconnect. What we just saw today is that the day is uncertain that we live in. The day is uncertain that we live in. And so part of that preparation and strengthening of self is saying, Lord, how are we to live in this day? And I tell you how, by taking the word of God and obeying it, right? When we do that, we are then equipped. So if the days are good or if the days are uncertain, we can thrive and overcome regardless. And we live in uncertain days, and we are going to need one another. We are going to need one another. I was so blessed. Uh, I think it was Tuesday, Kathy Rigg and Jennifer Routson came through the coffee shop that morning together, which was kind of odd on a Tuesday morning early. I'm like, what are you two doing out and about? It had to have been before 8 o'clock. And they said, oh, we're driving to Chicago. We're going to Elevation Worship Nights. And I tell you, there's nothing that makes me happier when I see you all doing life together in that way. That brought such joy to my heart that they were doing that. And so I, I really feel the Holy Spirit saying, now is the time for us to reconnect and discover what the community of Christ is about and be participant in it. It's very, very, Alexandra and I, I'm getting really educated in psychology <laughs> because she comes home from class and I, I don't know half of the terms, but I feel like I've learned a lot just from this. So one of the things that, that they discuss in psychology is the Western way of living versus the rest of the world, how independent we are and how that affects them when they are, you know, working with patients or clients. And so this is the truth. The rest of the world knows what community is, right? Probably their elderly are living in their homes. There are some places Darren's talked about where you have 16 people living in, like, my living room, of, you know, your, your kids and their spouses and your grandkids all living in this little, that's community, right? <laughs> that's a real community. I don't know if I want to go to this extreme personally. I've had my grandkids here now for a few days and I love them to death. I'm like, wow, can you imagine if like we were all living together in this house? <laughs> this is the difference between that Western perspective on what community is. And I think what we have to be careful of is saying, is it okay for our society to tell us what community looks like, or do we need the word of God to dictate that and get into line with that? And so we're going to be talking about that this morning. 
In Colossians 1.18, here is the description that we are given of what this looks like. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the head of the body, who? The church. That's you, that's me, we are the church. That means we are the body, he is the head. Okay, I love this picture. Okay, it's like, all right, here's the head. This is Jesus, and the rest is us. Well, how does this work? This means my hand is not the boss. I'm telling it what to do right now, right? Where my feet go, they don't dictate that. My head dictates that. And this is the picture that the Bible gives us of what this looks like. We are from here down. He's the head. He's the authority. He's the director, right? That's who Jesus is. And so, okay, what does that mean then for us? What does this look like practically? We're going to talk about that this morning. And then we're going to close with a time of communion that might be a little uncomfortable for anybody that's an introvert. Why? Because we don't like interactive things. (laughs) But this is the thing. He is the head. I am the body. He calls me to community. It's what he has intended. And I may not need a huge community, but I need community right? So here's point number one. Are you ready? The community choice. Is the community of Christ a choice for me? Do I get to choose whether I'm going to be a part of the community or not? Are you ready for the answer? No. When I was in the womb of my mother, My hand did not get to decide whether it was going to be part of the body, right? The toes didn't get to decide. The ears didn't get to decide if they were part of the body. They just were. And when you are born into the life of Christ, you, I am sorry to tell you if you don't like it, but you are born into the body of Christ as well. It is not a choice You are part of the body. So not only do I not have that physical choice, I've been born into this body. But here's here's what I feel, and, and maybe some of you can relate to this. From the time I was a child, and even I'm talking in the Catholic Church, I was very blessed to even then have grandparents that believed in a community of faith. And I was very much a part of that community of faith. And so even from then, it put in me a love of the body of faith. And, and so from the time I was little till present day, I was, there was put inside of me a trust. I had teachers. I had pastors. I had friends. I had family that poured into me. And I gladly received it. They taught me, they encouraged me, they built me up. And what is that? That is a trust. And when I've been given a trust, it's not a choice, it's inside of me. And I have a responsibility to that trust. Because the Bible says back when he was, back way back giving that covenant to Abraham, our forefather, 
he said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Why? So that you can be a blessing. And so listen, I was greatly blessed. I am currently greatly blessed by what people have given to me, and I have received it with great joy. And so I have no choice because of that blessing but to pour it out to somebody else, right? And so it's a trust that not only do I not have the choice because I'm born into this body, but I've been given this sacred trust for me to manage. And as I have been greatly, greatly blessed, it cannot sit dormant inside of me. It has to be, I can't hoard it, right? We can't be hoarders. Some people pour into me, pour into me, pour into me, and never pour out. I don't want to, you know, be a spiritual hoarder. I'm envisioning the hoarder TV show, right? Where it can, now can you imagine that spiritually? You know, even good things, even nice things can get stacked up stinky if they're hoarded. And so it is with what people have poured into us. It's not intended to get hoarded up inside of us. It's intended to get poured out. And so if it's going to get poured out to somebody else, what does that mean? You're in community. And so this point, number one, is our easy one and our shortest because you don't really need to talk much about it. You don't have a choice. You were born into this. You're part of the body of Christ by nature of having given your life to him. Okay, so let's talk about if it's no choice now, what do I do with this community? All right, so we're going to take a few minutes here in point number two and talk about community reality. Okay, community reality. I love this quote, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You hear me quote him a lot. He was a pastor and theologian in Germany, and he was actually executed or actually hanged in a concentration camp at the very end. He was one of the last prisoners to be um, hanged when Hitler's regime was collapsing. Um, and so he was, he was a theologian, but he was also part of the resistance to Hitler in Germany. And so he says this, and I think this is timely. I think, on, you know, I see a lot on Facebook about people, there's no community in the church. There's no community. I'm just like, this is the quote for that. The person who's in love with their vision of community will destroy community. I'm going to just say that one again. The person who's in love with their vision of community will destroy community. But the person who loves the people around them will create community everywhere they go. And this is the truth. If you have a rose utopian picture of what the community of Christ should look like, I'll tell you what will happen. You'll become critical and judgmental, and you'll begin to destroy the community. But if you will say, I'm just here to love people, when you are loving people, you are creating community. And so it's very simple in that way. So there, we don't have this, we're not all in a community in the Garden of Eden, you know, walking around, picking fruit, oh, brotherly love. Listen, here's the truth. Community is messy. 
Community is messy. We've broadened our community in our home this week, right? We have brought our grandchildren in. And let me tell you, community is messy. It is so messy. <laughs> it is so messy. Oh, my word. I'm just saying, perler beads are right now covering my floor. <laughs> Over oh, the day of Cheerios and Legos, now it's perler beads. <laughs> Community is messy. Why? It's family. It's family. And you and your family, think about your family. Do you always agree with everybody in your family? Does your family frustrate you? Oh, no, because I have perfect spouse. I have perfect children. I'm perfect. Uh-huh. I think the beads happened while he was on duty this morning. I'm just saying, I was here at the church, went home, there they were. <laughs> Benji was having fun. <laughs> he never saw him. <laughs> Community is messy. So they may frustrate you, and there are people that have never been raised within a family unit that have been passed around from house to house and don't understand how a family works together. And then you bring them into the body. That your, your community are going to be the ones that wound you. And you are going to wound others. It's messy. They will offend you. And you will offend others. But it's family. And so what do you do? You do what it takes, right? You do what it takes in your family and you love them because it's family. And so community is not this wonderful love fest. It is, but it's a messy love fest. And to think otherwise, you will quickly be disillusioned. And when that happens, you will become offended. And be, here, here's what happens then. The enemy comes in and wants you just to give up on the body. It's messy. And while we're talking about messiness, here's part of the messiness. Generations. Right? Even within our families. Okay? And, and so how many of you as grandparents were like, well, I didn't raise my kids that way. And how many of your kids look at you and say, that's such an outdated way of parenting? There's this inner tension between generations that happens. And so it is within the body of Christ. There can be tension within the generations, and it causes what? Messiness. But do we give up on the generations? No. Because we need one another. We need the wisdom and the endurance of the older generation, and we need the energy, right? I've discovered that this week. You need the energy and the fire and the drive of the younger generation all working together to make this thing move. And I, I just want to say this to the older generation. I just, I, I really felt this in my spirit. I, I don't think any of it, and I say this as one that's now close to 50. I'm on the other end of this now. And I recognize that the parents today 
are having to deal with stuff that you never had to deal with. <laughs> I'm just saying. And so we cannot get critical and judgmental because they're dealing with stuff you never had to deal with. Their children in school are dealing with stuff that you've never had to deal with. The truth is that we were able to basically raise our kids in a, a pretty Christianized society, and that's not the case right now. And so before you kind of look down on them, let's recognize what they're having to do. And our younger, our, our college kids and our high school kids and our junior and even elementary kids are having to make a stand for Christ in a generation that is not welcoming to that stand. I talk about my high school years all the time, but let me just say the environment then is not what the environment is today. And it takes courage to be living for Jesus as a young person in this day and age. And so I say this with all love to the older generation because I'm now in that. Let's recognize the day and the times that they are living in. And let's pray and let's come alongside. Let's not be critical or judgmental, but let's come along and say, come on, you guys can do it. We're praying for you. We're lifting you up. We're supporting you because we recognize that you are living in a time that I never had to live in. That's just my little side there that I wanted to get in. I felt that, that we need. Here's the thing. Romans 12 says to honor one another above yourselves. And he's not saying, now I, I raised my children to honor older people, right? That's just whether, whether they like them or not, whether they're good or not, it doesn't matter. We're just going to honor. So I raised them to this. But now as a person that is on this end of, I've stepped over into now I'm part of the older generation, here's my heart. Lord, make me worthy of honor. Let me live my life that, that I've earned honor, not just because of how old I am, but let me earn the honor of the younger generation. And the older generation needs to also, it doesn't talk about just elderly people here or seniors. It just says honor one another. And so there's the tension within the generations, but listen, the younger ones need to honor the older ones, and the older ones need to honor the younger ones. And when that happens, we can make the tensions work. We can work through and love those tensions because we're honoring one another above ourselves. And so it might be very messy, but where there is honor and where there is love, we can deal with messiness, right? It's like the power cleaning product for messiness, honor and love. And so if there feels like, oh, there's, I feel this tension, I feel it's messy, let's just begin to pour out some love and honor and see how it kind of cleans things up a little bit, right? And so where there is messiness, there is community. <laughs> And it's just, you have to be okay with that, right? I really let go of a lot when my kids are here. Why? Because it's community and I love them. And I love the messiness because it means that my grandkids love to come and stay with Nona and Papa. It means we have relationship. It's a sign of health that my house is a disaster. 
It's a sign of community that it's a mess. And so love is a choice. And I, even though I have no choice, I choose community. I choose the body of Christ. Because that's what this head has said to do. That's what Jesus has told me to do. There's a reason in the New Testament that there are so many verses about how to treat one another. There's a reason. The New Testament church was no different. It was messy for them as well. A blending of the Jews and the Gentiles created messiness. And so, so much of the New Testament is how to treat one another. And I think it's good for us to just continually read those verses, how to treat one another in the midst of the messiness. And, and here's the beauty. Here's the beauty and the messiness of the body of Christ is that my body was made for self-healing. Right? I, I don't even know how I got these two wounds. I don't know. But it, it was a wound, and what's happened, it has scabbed over. This body was created for self-healing. And this is the beauty of the body of Christ. You will get wounded in it. But there's also a healing that comes from the body of Christ. And so you can get wounded, and you can step aside and say, I want nothing to do with that. What have you done? You have cut yourself off from the healing that could be yours. Because healing comes from the body. And so, here's the deal. We're better together. Everybody say that. We're better together. Okay, at the end of this, you're going to say that with more excitement. Okay, so here, in the midst of community reality, here's the second part of this, is that there is a command in the Word of God to function in the body. Okay, so how many of you would like to have a hand? My hand's getting a lot of attention today. How many of you like to have a hand that was paralyzed and not moving and unable to move? Nobody wants paralysis in their body, right? And so it is in the body of Christ. The head does not want any paralysis within the body. And there are many within the body that are acting as a member that is paralyzed. They are not functioning. They are not, there's no movement. They may have been born into the community and they're connected. The hand would still be connected to the body, but it would be paralyzed. It would not be moving. And, you know, just what was it, a couple of months ago, Darren preached a message on being what? A doer of the word, right? And so here's what the word says. For as, as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We are members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Oh, here's the revelation of that. Let us use them. 
Everybody say, let us use them. Okay. You are a member of this one body, Christ. And you have been given a gift. And I have been given a gift. And it says to do what? To use them. And so if I'm going to be a doer of the word, the command here is to use my gift within the body. Paralyzation is not an option. We're to be functioning and using our gift within the body. Why? Because we're better together. Everybody say it now. We're better together. We're better together. And you might have come to the conclusion, I'm doing okay alone. And you may be doing okay alone, but you would be better together. You would thrive better together. You might be surviving on your own, but when a community comes together and works to live, then you begin to thrive with one another. So the truth is, is that community is messy, but we're better together regardless, okay? Now, we've talked about the reality of community. I want us to talk a minute about community expression. Okay, I get this is messy. I get that, that I, we're better together, but what should this begin really to look like? And so I want us to look just a few minutes about what that would look like, even practically. And so in the first area, I want to talk about how it will personally affect you being a part of the community of Christ. And so in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verses 24 and 25, let us consider one another. Everybody kind of look around and consider your neighbor right now. <clears throat> Maybe you see somebody you don't know very well because you're going to have communion with them in a few moments. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So much more. So much more as you see the day approaching. So if we are going to be, as James says, not just a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word, what are we doing? We are considering one another, and we are stirring one another up for love and good works. For paralysis? No. To be functioning in good works within the body. Stir one another up exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and even more as the day approaching. I feel some of that already in the, in the shift in our culture. How many of you feel like sometimes it's just wearisome? The culture just wears you down because it's so in your face, constant all of the time. And so what, what is that? That's the beginning of seeing that day approaching. And so when I feel that kind of weariness and tiredness, it means I need to get around some brothers and some sisters in the body of Christ so I can encourage and I can be encouraged. We are not meant to do this alone. 
And if the accuser of the brethren is telling you otherwise, then you're listening to a lie. We are not supposed to do this alone. We were born into a body. So the body is this environment. And, and we see these relationships in the New Testament. We see Barnabas, who is known to be an encourager. And so within the body is this environment where you can find a Barnabas. Or you can be a Barnabas. You can encourage somebody or be encouraged. Within this environment of the body, you can be a Paul, a teacher. Or you can seek out a Paul, a teacher. You can be a Timothy, a student, or you can search one out to train. There's this give and take that can only happen within the body of Christ. And we're meant to be a part of it. We're meant to be thriving within it. It's a giving, it's a receiving, and there's a time for both. There is nothing spiritual about being always the giver. I'm just going to say that. Because some people, oh, I don't like to receive. That's pride. That's pride. And that's saying, I don't need you. We are intended to be both a giver and a receiver. And humbling ourselves in humility to receive from another is powerful. And for me to say, I don't need the gift that you have, is like saying, I don't need you, hand. There's a giving and a receiving, and there's a time for both within the body. And so there's this personal life and thriving and encouragement that happens with the, with the connectedness of the, the community of Christ. But then there's this community action that begins to take place. And this is really powerful. So we know that Jesus said where two or three are gathered, he would be in the midst of them, right? And so we know that, man, just, you know, Kathy and Jennifer headed up the two of them, and I'm envisioning the presence of the Lord was right there in the midst of them as they went to Chicago. So this is the power of doing life, I think, with one another beyond this corporate setting. As I am doing life with, you know, another person or a couple of other people within the body of Christ, his presence is there within that. That's powerful. And so here's the then. So we know two or, more, two or three are gathered. Jesus is there. So then we read in Acts chapter 2, so we've just had the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We've just had this amazing message preached and thousands coming to Christ. And so at the end of chapter 2, here's what it says. And anybody that's ever been a part of small groups has heard this verse. It's kind of what small group ministry is based off of. So continuing daily. Is this weekly? Like on Sunday mornings? No. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This is powerful. They are doing community together in their homes, in the temple, in the church, wherever they go. They're doing community. 
They're breaking bread with one another. They're enjoying fellowship with one another, praying together, studying the word together. And what is the result? Daily, daily, not yearly, daily numbers were being added to those that were being saved. That is the out. That's, the, that's what was the result of them being in community with one another. This is the power of one another. This is the power of doing life together. It should result in those who are being saved. Praise the Lord. I love that word that came today that, that Bill brought about that evangelism coming up within this house. And I'll tell you, one way it can happen is by you being in community within the house. Why? Because the word says that as we are in daily one accord, in the midst of the messiness, people are being saved daily. And so, is the body of Christ messy? Yes. Is it, is it something you have to really commit to? Yes. But the outpouring of that should be that there are people being saved. And, you know, I don't think that it was always easy to meet daily. I don't think it necessarily was easy to share food with one another constantly. I don't think it was always convenient. They had jobs. They had families. They didn't have plumbing. They didn't have washing machines. But... They met. They said, this is the priority. We have been born into the body of Christ, and so we must be together. Many of them were in poverty and had no resources, and they did community together. And so if we're waiting for it to be convenient, if we're waiting for that perfect person to come in so I can be in community with them, you will never, ever, ever be in community in fact, this call, we're talking practically right now, and we just talked about being a doer of the word. Let me just give you another command that the scripture gives. Some of you will love this. Some of you will not. But it does not say who should do this. It just says, be hospitable to one another. And I, why is this hard? We know it's hard because then they go on to tell us how we should be hospitable in 1 Peter 4 without grumbling. So even then, even back then, there obviously was not, there was some grumbling. I don't want to. I don't want to have anybody over to my house. I don't want to go out tonight. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go to church on Sunday. I don't want to go on Wednesday night. There was, must have been some grumbling happen. If the word put it in there to be hospitable without grumbling. And so, I, and I, I, I get it. Listen, all of our lives are busy. If you think your life is busier than somebody else's, it's not. Everybody's busy. Everybody's busy. And that is what makes it so honoring when we take time to be hospitable to one another. And so even what we had Pastor Phil Schneider here, our superintendent here, a couple, it was uh, Palm Sunday. And I'd had the kids outreach that Friday night. And quite honestly, I was exhausted. Um, and, you know, usually we'll take guest speakers out to eat and, and provide lunch in that way. But this was my pastor. This was my pastor coming. 
and this is an honoring thing. I, I believe in honoring my leadership. And I'm like, I don't want to. I am so tired and busy. But I really want to have my pastor in my home. I want, this is personal for me. Right? He's my pastor. This is personal. I want to have him in my home. And I tell you, was it the best meal I ever made? No. But I had him in my home when it wasn't convenient, when it was the last thing. And for a while, I was kind of wavering, leaving myself an out of just going out to eat until finally I, had, I just committed. I'm like, nope, I need, to, I need to do this. And so community happens in the midst of craziness. Community happens when it, you don't have the time for it, when you don't have the energy for it, and when you don't have the resources for it. Community happens. Family happens, right? And so I would encourage you with all that is within me to be a doer of the word. And when the word calls us to be in community, when the word calls us to extend hospitality to people without grumbling, when the, when the Lord calls me to stop and help somebody when it's not in my schedule, we have to be doers of the word. Community is happening around us. It doesn't stop for anything. We have to just jump in and say, I'm in this. I'm going to do community. I'm going to be a part of community. And I, I think one of the triggers where I, at least in my life, when I begin to get critical and judgmental, it's my time to, oh, I need to get back to recognizing Jesus is the head. This is his body. This is his body. And when I love on the community of Christ, I am loving on the very body of Christ himself. Recognizing what this is. It's not just this person and this person. It's the body of Christ. It's the living, breathing body of Christ. And how dare I judge? How dare I criticize what it looks like? There is an accuser of the brethren, and I don't want to operate in his spirit, but I can find myself slipping in. And that's where I got to get back to the feet of Jesus, who says, no greater love is there than a man lay down his life. This is what community is about. Laying down your life for somebody else. And when do you lay down your life? When it costs you something. It's not really a sacrifice, is it, if it's something you enjoy doing. It's when you least want to do it, when you least like the people around you, when you have the least amount of time, the least amount of energy, the least amount of money that we're called to lay our lives down for one another. And I don't always succeed, and I don't always do it well. But isn't that why we come to the table of Jesus? So we can be reminded, not just of his sacrifice, but that this is the life he has called me to as well, to lay down my life for another. The table of the Lord is when I get attitude adjustments. That, that time of examining my heart my mind and saying, where have I allowed selfishness to creep in? Where have I allowed self-protection to creep in? 
And where I have, I lay that at the feet of Jesus, who knows what it is, who was wounded by his own people, and yet still stretched out his arms for them on the cross. And so we may not be perfect, but we're Christ followers. And we continue to strive to love one another. You know, the Bible encourages us to grow in love for one another. And so hopefully, the older I get, the more loving I become, the more generous with my affections I become, right? I want to grow in love for one another.